Attention all dragons and prospective dragons. This is Galara, the dragon behind the Ultima Dragons 25th Anniversary Bash. Wanted to remind everyone that we're now on Kickstarter. This is your last chance to get exclusive UDIC loot while signing up for the party and to make sure the main event happens at all. There's even a special bonus for our backers who also play Shroud of the Avatar. We're planning on a fellowship hall filled with games, guests, and special events, but we need your help. So pledge to the Ultima Dragons 25th Anniversary Bash today, now on Kickstarter. Ends October 21st. Welcome back to another episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug, DEFCON 3, because apparently, at least if Stirring Dragons linkage in... Actually, this wasn't in our Discord. This was over in the UDIC Discord, I believe. Where is yes. it now? Yes. It was in it. Is it in the Ultima channel or the Shroud of the Avatar channel? wasn't there was it in Bodie McBoatface mm, no it wasn't there that either. would remind me to that would have require me to remember I oh wait yeah no it was in our discord channel never mind I'm crazy it yes was? apparently the uh, Defcon warning system for uh, the first time in a while is now at three so um, I'm actually gonna look up the defense condition yes so this is the Alert state used by the United States Armed Forces. Three corresponds to the color yellow, um, by the way. So let's see. Aha, the last time we were at DEFCON 3 was um, September 11th. And previously, um, 1976. So, there you go. In fact, there have only been three, it would seem, historical occasions where DEFCON 3... Well, I guess... I mean, I guess you can't get to DEFCON without proceeding through DEFCON 3. But, um, so, all right, fine. Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> times where DEFCON 2 has been hit. And DEFCON 2, by the way, is regarded as the uh, next step to nuclear war. Or uh, the exercise term for it is fast pace. The readiness level associated with it uh, is the armed forces, and this is the United States Armed Forces specifically, are ready to deploy and engage in less than six hours. So, you know, shit status, pretty darn real. Um, there have only been two occasions, I guess, where DEFCON 2 has been declared. One was, of course, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, although after that de-escalated, um, well... <clears throat> So yeah, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, most of the U.S. Armed Forces were actually put at DEFCON 3. October 24th saw Strategic Air Command go to DEFCON 2, although everything else remained at DEFCON 3. And then uh, DEFCON 2 was de-escalated uh, for Strategic Air on November 15th. And then, of course, with the outbreak of the first Gulf War, so January 15th, 1991, that was the other time that DEFCON 2 was declared. DEFCON 3, meanwhile, has been declared a few times. Um, only, well, <clears throat> apart from the Cuban Missile Crisis, there was also the Yom Kippur War, so that was in late 73. Uh, Operation Paul Bunyan, so that was in 76. And then, of course, the September 11th attacks, 2001. So, um, if you grew up during the 80s and you watched that um, movie, what's it called, War Games? Yeah. 
So anyways, that's where the episode title comes from because Stirring Dragon had some wonderful news to uh, share with us all just this evening in the SSSH Discord. But don't worry, that's about as political as I hope we're going to get tonight. Let's move on to some happier news because we got a big shout out. Uh, big shout out to our own Deathblade Dragon and his wife, Lady Grey, who's chimed in on a podcast or two here and there. Uh, who, on the very evening that we are recording this, have welcomed their third child into the world. So they have a lovely little baby that is coming home with them tonight. Well, I assume they're going home tonight. Maybe they get to stay overnight. I don't know. I don't it know how it works out there in Maine. It was a home birth. They had a midwife come in and all that. So they're already home. Oh, well, they've already taken care of that step. Excellent. <laughs> so, anyways, congratulations to the both of them, because that's that's wonderful news for sure. And we also welcome a handful of new Ultima Dragons. Uh, got a couple of weeks backlog here, actually. So <clears throat> on Facebook, we welcome Hosni, Joel, Jared, Sereni, Corey, Jorge, J.C. Shakespeare. So this is apparently um, the guy who did the voice of the Avatar in Ultima 9. And he also appears in the Ultima Dragons Kickstarter video, which you heard Cran talk about in the introductory audio. Thank you for that, Cran. Uh, we also welcome Marzo. This is uh, Marzo Sete Torres, who's uh, excellent exalt modder. We welcome Richard, Nick, Matt, Warren, Tim, Nathaniel, Amber, another Tim, Ben, and Eric. And on Google Plus, we welcome Cake Forge. And actually, I should really um, check UDIC.org because I haven't checked UDIC.org in a long time. <clears throat> like, shamefully long. Oh, right. So cool. Yes, we welcome. Oh my gosh, you people are not kidding. Actually, most of the, well, some of these. Anyways, <clears throat> we welcome Jrel Core Dragon. We welcome Tantric dragon with a k we welcome monad dragon and we welcome darthan haj dragon so cool welcome and splut to all there are really only two of us on the call tonight um there's myself of course who stand the fury dragon and golem dragon is also there i think you've heard him a couple of times heard her a couple of times my apologies again i'm not a problem so, so easily programmed, so, so difficultly well, deprogrammed. Yeah, I wasn't a lot of people, I just wasn't that public about being trans. Mm. Now it's like Fireball and the um, um, Minecraft community and other ones around the gaming community in general. Well, it's just hard for me because I knew you as Andrew for like <laughs> years. And then it's just like, oh, wait. Wow. I, I just, it, uh, mm. It goes back, forget how long it's been. I lost track. Braid not working. Yeah. Let's just call it a while. Long, long time ago in a galaxy. No, wait. No, no. Great. Now Lucasfilm is going to sue us. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Because unlike some (laughs) companies, they are violently protective, uh, at least in a litigious sense, of their intellectual property. Sad but true. All right. Well, anyways, so you've got the two of us. Um, and you know what? I'm curious. What you been up to? Because it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast. Uh, finishing off more contract work. Um, a lot of photo shoot and prop work that I was doing. 
finishing off the last, thank God, of my political writings for hopefully <laughs> forever. I no longer have to take a contract with it anymore. I've fulfilled my obligations. Nice. And after this year, I think I have lost all interest. I have spent half my life dealing with politics, and I just have no urge anymore. I get that. I get that. I mean, before I did the Codex, I used to do some socio-political blogging as well, and it's fun. It takes its toll. But yeah, it totally takes its toll. So I'm taking I'm not... a break. Yes. A long break. <laughs> long break. But uh, other than like that, my... catching up on mobile gaming, because there's a couple, and I'm mostly excited to get back into ESO and finally get to Shadow Warrior 2 that came out yesterday, the 13th. That's right, it did. The uh, the new adventures of Lo Wang. My gosh. Yes. I can't wait to hear. Again. I, I, I just can't wait to hear what kind of stupid, goofy stuff they put in there. Yeah. I I mean, on the one hand, I... On the one hand, I kind of hope that they kept his horribly, horribly stereotyped accent. Oh, and... it's the same voice actor, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. And on the other hand, I'm like wincing because I know that now we live in the age of Twitter and people are just going to complain and complain and complain every time he <laughs> says, Agent Tiny Secret. <laughs> no, they didn't have that line in the reboot. They won't have it in this one. They've modernized it. Oh, but like the line about, oh, I should take this. And then he mentions it's good not to go alone. A nice little homage to Zelda. I get it. And, you know, it's a modern day version of it. They don't quite go back to those older ones. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe people won't be quite as triggered. Yes, we'll see. So, but I'll wait and see, and I will probably record it so people can laugh and giggle and enjoy the shenanigans. And that'll, of course, be on your YouTube channel, I assume. Yes, on my primary one. Cool. Uh, what have I been up to? Well, you know, I'm actually, I mean, not that we're doing video, but if you could see around me, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six little Asus e-boxes with monitors and keyboards all hooked up to them and powered on. Um, so scouting talk for a little bit tomorrow is, well, actually it starts today, uh, and it goes all weekend. There's an event that happens every October called Jota Joti. Uh, J-O-T-A-J-O-T-I. It stands for Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet. And basically, so if you're at all familiar with scouting, a jamboree is basically where, you know, you get a bunch of scouts who all come together in a place. And I mean, like, usually it's like, you know, uh, a camp. I went to like the World Jamboree in 2007 and we were basically just in a big field between Chelmsford and Riddle in England. Um, but the idea is, you know, there's a place and hundreds, thousands usually of scouts descend on this place and it's like a week or two or something like three week long event. And you're camping there, you're living out of tents and there's lots of activities and lots of opportunities to meet people from around the, around your country, around the world, whatever. Um, 
meet scouts from other places, trade badges. It's, it's, it's a grand old time. But Jamboree on the Air is not quite like that because Jamboree on the Air doesn't really require you to go to anywhere other than a place that has a decent internet connection. The idea behind Jamboree, well, and even then, Jamboree on the Air, which started um, 59 years ago, like it predates the internet and it was carried out with shortwave and ham radios. Okay. And it still is. They're, they're actually like official frequencies that you can use for this. Um, Jamboree on the internet started about 20 years ago and it's basically, um, IRC. So I've got six of these workstations that I'm spinning up and uh, I'm just after this recording, I have to install IRC clients on all of them. And then tomorrow I'm going to be taking them over to uh, one of the meeting halls that we have access to our scout group and uh, a bunch of my cub pack and a couple of the scouts and a beaver scout or two as well. They're all going to be there and I'm just going to like pair them up and let them talk on IRC um, to other scouts because now there's like official IRC channels for this too. It's mediated by an organization called ScoutLink. Um, they actually also maintain scouting themed Minecraft servers. So that's a new twist. So I am really, I've been focusing on getting ready for that for like the last week and I haven't had a lot of time to play games when I have been, it's mostly been on my mobile. So I've been playing mage and minions again, um, a little bit of star Trek online with the wife. Um, but other than that, not a whole heck of a lot of gaming going on. Unfortunately, just been so crazily busy with well, the scout stuff, especially, and, um, actually like last week was Canadian or last, well, this Monday, Sunday and Monday were Canadian Thanksgiving. So, I mean, like last week we were actually gearing up for that and for my sister-in-law's wedding, which happened on the Saturday. So it's just been, it's been like crazily frantically busy around here. And, uh, yeah. Anyways. Okay. We all seem to be fairly busy. Yep, it's do I don't know why. Man. And I want to know, can you earn your merit badges in the Scout Minecraft server? Uh, well, mm, you know what? See, the thing is, we just overhauled our badge program, eh? So there is a badge now. Um, well, one thing we did with the badge program is, A, the Beaver Scouts can actually earn badges for the first time in the 40-year history of the section in Canada. Um, uh-huh. But then B, what we did is we actually, I'll have to go back to my book and look, but I think um, for the most part, it's kind of the same. There's now each section, so uh, beavers, cubs, and scouts, there are 16 merit badges, or now we call them personal achievement badges, but whatever, you know, it's analogous. There's 16 per section. And I think for the most part, they're around the same topics. Okay. Hmm. And I think one of them, that is, th- there might be some variation between sections, but I think one of them that's common to all the sections is the tech badge. So the way, I mean, how we do merit badges has changed too, because gosh, it's turning into an episode of scouting stuff. Um, <laughs> how we do them has changed too, because it's no longer like, oh, well, I'm going to open my handbook and here's my checklist of things that I need to do. No, 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 no. It's, we have a, uh, there's a planning template, right? And the idea is that each youth individually picks three challenges or we call them adventures, but you know, whatever, three mini projects that they have to complete to merit the badge, right? To, to 
earn the badge. And the idea is they're supposed to come up with these projects and sort of plan them partly with their parents, partly with their scouters, so guys like me, and, you know, come up with things that are kind of just right at the edge of their skill level, uh, right at the edge of their comfort level, and related to the topic of the badge, whatever that might be, chef, pet care, tech. Um, so a particularly forward-thinking scout and a particularly forward-thinking scouter could probably contrive a way in which, you know, like uh, the scout could say, well, I'm going to build such and such a structure in Minecraft. I, I would totally, you know, if one of my beaver scouts came to me and said, or one of my cubs came to me and said, this is one of my adventures, this is what I'm going to do for one of my adventures for the tech badge. Um, I'm going to build a big old castle in Minecraft. I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Go right ahead. That would, I would totally, I would totally do that. Totally go for that. <laughs> so, so yes, um, could potentially get a badge or at least cross off one of your badge requirements doing some Minecraft, at least if you're in my scout group. <laughs> that just blows my mind. Sign of the uh, times, my friend, sign of the times. World is changing. Whatever it will we do. Eh, I'm having eh, fun with this particular set it. of changes. We'll just embrace it and see what happens. Pretty much. So I was experimenting with a service called Anchor this week. And the idea behind Anchor is it's basically like, I guess you could think of it as like Twitter with voice. So um, your postings to Anchor are short audio clips that you record from your phone. And... I just experimentally threw something out there about this story in RPGs and sort of really trying to ask the question, yeah, what works and what doesn't? It didn't really go anywhere. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to keep using Anchor for spam, 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 humbug. I'm going to give it a try with the scouting podcast. I may still keep it going for spam, spam. I got to see. I got to think about it. But at any rate, here's the very brief conversation that resulted. So here's a question. What do you all think about what makes up interesting dialogue elements for quests in RPGs? CRPGs, console RPGs, we're not really caring about the platform here, at least I'm not. The question is more about the actual systems and the, how NPC dialogue is implemented in the game and how it relates to actually progressing through quests. By all means, in your answer, feel free to cite examples. Think about something like Ultima 7, right? And how some of the later quests, or even not the later quests, I mean, you can access the Alagnar quest very, very early on in the game, but think about how that requires going back and forth, talking to multiple people multiple times. Is that an okay thing, or is that an annoyance? Is that a welcome part of the game, or is that dialogue grind that's really just there to extend the game? Is dialogue grind worse than combat grind? Some people might actually feel overwhelmed by just the amount of dialogue that's in a game like Ultima 6 or Ultima 7. Might feel overwhelmed by the fact that they have to go back and forth, might really blow up their brain to have to deal with that. Other people might appreciate the fact that, you know, hey, there's actually a lot of detail in this game and I really like exploring this. So that is my question. I'm really actually curious to hear what you all think about that. Because, you know, I mean different people are going to approach it in different ways. And that's especially true in the modern era. Is there a need for balance? Should a game just throw as much dialogue at you as possible? What do you all think? Hey, Kenneth. Um, I like RPGs a lot. Um, 
MMORPGs, um, stuff like that, role-playing games. Uh, I'm trying to think of a really good role-playing game. Uh, I don't know if Skyrim is considered a role-playing game, but I guess it, I guess it could be. Um, so anyway, I like I like uh, RPGs. Um, I like I like dialogue. Um, I think dialogue helps. So sometimes it can be annoying, but it's it's not bad. Right. I mean, any RPG, any CRPG, whether it's an MMORPG or a single player, is going to need dialogue to advance the plot, whatever the plot might be. This is true even of Diablo um, or, you know, other games that are really just driven around the loot and the action and don't really have much of a story to tell. But they still do have some story to tell, and that is still principally realized through dialogue, NPC dialogue especially. I guess the question is more, though, is there such a thing as too much? Is there such a thing as too little? What works? What doesn't? Skyrim's an interesting example because Skyrim actually has a lot of dialogue, at least for some of its characters. Other NPCs, they're fairly simplistic. They don't really say much. But some characters have a lot of dialogue. But it's pretty much all voiced. So even when a character has a lot to say, you actually hear them saying it. And you see their character model being animated. You know, their lips move and they have some expressions to them. So it doesn't really... It's not tedious because, or it's usually not tedious because, you know, you're actually hearing them say it and you're seeing them say it and it works. It's actually, for the most part, engaging. Would it be as engaging though? Would it still work if, say, the voice acting wasn't there and you just had to read everything? So we heard the piece from Anchor there and, I mean, it's, in a way, I kind of wish the discussion had gone further, but in a way, I also feel kind of tapped out. Um... I never got around to sharing. I guess there's a couple of things I could share. So one is some thoughts from Stirring Dragon. Um, and his comments were to the effect of, um, I didn't really get too far in Ultima 7, but after hearing about some of the later quests that involved literally going back and forth, talking to people multiple times, the Alagner subplot, I felt okay about that. Uh, I know that many of these dialogue quests are designed to extend the apparent length of the game, but for me, they start to equate with dialogue grind, which is really equal to, you know, other mindless RPG grind sins, at least uh, in his mind. And you know what? I mean, I don't disagree with him. I think combat grind is probably worse than dialogue grind, at least in my own opinion. But at a certain level, yeah, grind is grind. Uh, and this is the part that breaks my heart, but I will read it. Uh, I'll also say that I literally hated Ultima 6. Uh, that hurt. When I first played it, because I really felt overwhelmed by the sheer amount of dialogue and talking to people I felt I must do to win the game. Uh, I tend to take my time, feel the need to analyze every little detail when I play an RPG so I don't miss something. So Ultima 6, for some reason, blew up that part of my brain. I just couldn't deal with it because there was just too much dialogue to keep track of. And... As much as I love Ultima 6, I'll totally concede that. And you know what? It's not even... I think with Ultima 6, the problem is that it's not even that there's too much dialogue because there's probably actually less dialogue than in, say, Ultima 7. The problem is the presentation, right? Because it's all just in that one little, like, bottom sixth or so of the screen, just off in the little lower right quadrant there. Except it's not even a quadrant. It's like a... What do you call it when it's like a sixth of the screen, you know? It's just this little box off to the 
lower right. And uh, it wasn't even a text window. goes whipping past in there. And yeah, it's very easy for that to get very crazy very quickly. So it can feel very overwhelming, even though really, apart from a handful of particularly loquacious characters, eh, most don't say all that much. It just looks like they say volumes. But that's not really any better, you know? The fact that they're actually not saying that much, but it just feels that way, that's not a positive, right? So, um, he finishes, I actually know now that you really don't need to keep track of everything, so... Someday I may decide to give it a go again with that in mind and try to enjoy it more. But yeah, when you come from Ultima 4 and 5 to Ultima 6, there's really a dialogue explosion that happens that I really didn't think add much to the game's enjoyment. There has to be a balance. I actually feel that lies somewhere between Ultima 5 and 6 in my book. I'm closer to 5 than 6. Or at least that's the formula that he personally is sticking with for his RPG. And we actually did kind of talk about sort of that Ultima 5 to Ultima 6 transition previously, noting that one of the big things that came along was keyword highlighting, <laughs> um, which really is how you get through Ultima 6's dialogue. You know, you just kind of... You, spam click. Yeah, spam you just, click. Well, you can't even click, right? But you just, you look yeah. for the pink words, right? You don't really yeah, care about the brown words. You just look for the pink words until you say the right pink word. Like speed running the game is insane because all you do is you just go as fast as you can on stuff. Even if you try to at least show off the text, it's just yep. It's it's not a good way to introduce anyone to Ultima. Now that said, Ultima Six is fun as heck to speed run, but yeah, just people are gonna look at it and go, nope. Go back. Go go to seven or go to four or five and be just. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that too um the other thing that i wanted to share was from oh my gosh now i'm gonna have to find this again because this is like probably buried in my notifications but hey there's a see all button so maybe i can find this although my gosh i'm probably gonna have to scroll back a week you know what maybe if it maybe it's just on my profile still um uh, there's never a search feature when you need one Trying to find... Oh, well, I can just leave a gap for myself to... God, I post way too much shit to Facebook. You know that? <laughs> Scrollinating the timelines. <sighs> it's just one of those things we've all come to learn and love. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So... Uh, yeah, so this is my friend Brian. and I mean, this is a guy I used to hang out with in high school. And he's coming at it from... You know, he's the guy who actually introduced me to the Final Fantasy series, um, which granted started with Final Fantasy VII. So, um, but he's much more of a tabletop gamer, does the D&D stuff. And so when I posted the, he didn't reply on Anchor, but he did reply with some comments. I find when I'm playing a game that conversation is best when it has three basic elements. First, it sounds natural. Too often I find that dialogue sounds oddly strung together in ways that people don't normally speak. Natural speech patterns are less grinding. Two, it doesn't overload. It's kind of getting back to what Storing was talking about as well. The proverbial wall of text is as daunting in audio format as when you see it on the page. Having someone sit or page through copious amounts of dialogue will either cause them, or at least me, to try to speed through it somehow or find something to distract me while it's going on. And third, it has a flair. This relates back to the first thing. Different characters should speak with their own voice, especially important characters. Their tone, diction, rhythm, and pace should vary. 
If too many characters sound exactly the same, the audience will notice. Uh, also, a varied approach allows for some characters, at least, to toss in humor to uh, some other characters, like the old man that talks about his pet chicken or a grandchild or something. Not all characters have to be humorous, but it's nice to see humor and dialects tossed in. Otherwise, it just starts sounding like a textbook or an online course. And this is something that, you know, um, we again talked about previously with respect to Ultima 7 and the way the different companions would interject and sort of play off each other in certain conversations, right? Oh, yeah. And the cool thing is, is that particular style eventually carried over to other games i my favorite example still to date has to be dragon age origins alistair yes. morgana and all of them oh yes some of those audio clips of just things they say and discussions are beyond hilarious or beyond fascinating i could just sit there and just listen to them talk now we have a dog everything alistair else is still the dumbest one in the party <laughs> he's still the best yep <laughs> And in Claudia Black's voice, too, right? I mean, like, there are a few people who can do a sick burn like Claudia Black, so. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's the best example, and it's something I wish more games would do, because it brings the character so alive. You become so attached to them that when it came time to make choices, like the love choices and other stuff, it made it a very tough choice. Well, and I think that's probably actually why the companions of Ultima were so darn endearing. Because if you actually like go onto the Ultima wiki and look through the transcripts that are available for the different Ultima games, the companions overall weighed against the sum total of text in all of these games. The companions don't say all that much, but what they do say is rich right? Because it has those, especially in the later games, it has those little interjections baked in that without saying as much in so many words, communicate a very deep, endearing intimacy between these characters. You know, there's history there, there's inside jokes there, and you're not necessarily getting them explained to you. You're just seeing them play out and you just you're left with this sense of like, you know, wow, these guys, like, this is, this feels real because they're just ribbing each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Iolo and Shamino both just. <laughs> and Dupre. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, like, it's, it's just... like they get along, but at the same time, they don't get along. <laughs> exactly. They're. It's and a it's a big dysfunctional family. It is, you know? And that's, you know, that's the best thing, right? And I mean, yeah, it does carry over in Dragon Age 2. And then in Dragon Age, they they do it in a little bit different way, right? Because in Ultima, everybody's been friends forever and they talk like it. Whereas in Dragon Age, everybody is strangers thrown together pretty much entirely by circumstance. But they talk like it. And, you know, it just like it fits. It's so well written because it completely fits the scenario and the context. It's and got some of them, the as you progress... Their relationships change. Like yes. Alistair and Morgana, their relationship changed. And how they spoke changed. And it was like, they're learning to kind of like each other, but they don't want to admit <laughs> it. <laughs> Just awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, really, those comments from Stirring, from my friend Brian, kind of, I think, really 
pair well with what we've already discussed. And I think they kind of encapsulate this whole question of NPC dialogues and what works and what doesn't. And I think the big thing that the big no-no that seems to be highlighted from both of them, and, you know, these are guys coming from very different schools of gaming. Um, they probably find some overlapping interests, but they probably also, you know, diverge on a lot of things as well. But it's that inundation factor, you know, where you're just, you're drowning the player in dialogue. Whether it's, I mean, it's probably worse when it's just all written out there on screen and they have to actually go through each line of text. You know, at least when it's spoken, they can half tune out or they can just like turn the volume up and go make a cup of coffee. Well, I look at some of the more um, story-driven games. Uh, Heavy Rain, Life is Strange, which is one I always consistently bring up. But hey, no, it's, that's so well ex- it's so well executed on their end where, you know, you have these conversations between characters. You have your conversations with these characters changing over the time of the game. And your choices that you make affect a lot of them. You know, does this character hate you because you didn't help her or did you help her and she now trusts you more and it affects the story. And then it just it becomes this giant fascinating thing. It's just nice to see more developers. And this is a wide variety of developers in just the past. Uh, let's see. When did Dragon Age Origins come out? 2000. Oh, gosh. 2000 and. Uh, I should know this, but I don't off the top of my head. It's like 2000. I'm going to say the past decade. Right? I'm just going to go with the past D-K-O. decade. That should cover most. Uh, possibly. Yeah, past decade would be a safe enough bet because, I mean, I remember, gosh. Uh, uh, you know what? Hang on. Wikipedia will tell us. <laughs> it came out in 2009. Huh. Yeah, so the past decade. Yeah, that works. But they, they, they focused a lot more. Games that are story-driven are focusing so much more on good voice acting. They're taking it seriously like movies try to take it seriously. Definitely. And it's really appreciated. I mean, even a... I don't want to say this. Even a shit game like Postal 2, you get a really good voice actor for the main character. It makes the game a whole lot better. Well, yeah, right. I mean, like this is the this is the big problem we have, or this is one of the big problems at least that's cited with um, Ultima Nine, right? It's like because this was one of the first RPGs to really attempt full voice acted everything. Oh, and the bad the the lack of inflection with some and just oh, yes, so dry. Right. It was dry, and I mean that's kind of the big thing, right? Like. Sure, the, people criticize the game and its dialogue for various reasons. I think, <clears throat> I'm not sure, I actually kind of think that, you know, even the execrable What's a Paladin um, meme wouldn't be a meme if that line had been delivered better. But they really, you know, I mean, they were designing basically, you know... <clears throat> They design a scene. The designer would hand off the uh, the dialogue for the scene. They'd do one pass on the recording, and that would be it, right? They were they weren't iterating it. They weren't really. They didn't have time. So yeah, the guardian in the first time we heard the guardian's voice, that was better done. Yes, when that is better done than an entire game, something's wrong. Yep. So that's unfortunate, and yeah, I wish that would have worked out better, but. 
Um, but on the other hand, you know, to its saving grace, Ultima 9 doesn't tend to inundate with text. So as occasionally cloying and as often wooden as the voice acting can be in the game, what it says, it says fairly succinctly versus yeah. I'm trying to think of an example that's, you know, more, um, I guess it's not a great example. Well, actually, no, it kind of is. Um, the first, the longest journey, the longest journey. Now, don't get me wrong. TLJ is a great game. It's an amazing game. I loved playing it and I wish I had time to replay it again. But there's a handful of conversations in there with some particularly chatty characters that you're just like, oh my gosh, shut up and tell me the thing I need to know. Um, Flipper, no, Burns Flipper the, is one character in particular that comes to mind. So, Yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, the chattiness of some of the NPCs in Borderlands was always pretty good. Even Borderlands 2. Um, boy, I just can't think of... I can think of a lot of bad ones that are iconic, but yeah, well, massive Mass Effect games. There's another example. Bioware just simply did a really good job with their voice acting. Yeah. Now, mind you, Bioware puts a lot of time and effort into making sure that stuff gets refined. Yeah. So then we get some where we question if they ever did more than one pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Anyways, yeah, that seems to be the big sin, is just inundating your player with dialogue. Followed up, I suppose, by, you know, making it wooden and boring and not doing at least some iteration on it to, you know, just refine it and make it just sound like people care about what they're saying. <laughs> I think this is the reason that I always play as Femshep in, in the Mass Effect games, because, I mean, Jennifer Hale's an amazing voice actress, and that's well known i just don't quite buy that mark Mir cares <laughs> yeah her voice is just a better one to listen to yeah well and it's just she's she the she inhabits the character a little bit more you know mark Mir always he just sounds a little bit aloof from the character anyways so i think we inadvertently wound up actually kind of exploring that topic about as far as we needed to which is good um it's a real darn shame that kevin's not here to groan <laughs> at some of the other news that i have to share though um so actually it's a shame too that merrick's not here because we were talking about ukulele in a previous episode and um he was really quite excited for that as i recall so i'm assuming that he might be one of the people who will go for the boxed version release because I guess Platonic Games... Uh, well, let's just quote from the article. Platonic Games recently posted on their site that Yuka Lele would be getting a physical release to coincide with the worldwide launch in the first quarter of 2017. It's rare that a Kickstarter success sees a boxed release outside of the pricey backer awards, but with all the attention and adoration that the title, which is a Banjo-Kazooie spiritual successor, has been getting... Uh, this news comes as no surprise. So that's that's actually really cool, I think. Um, but here's the part that I was waiting for Kevin to groan at. Um, so 505 Games will be the publisher for Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Koji Igarashi has announced that his development studio will be partnering up with 505 in order to publish their upcoming game. 
Which was already delayed, and Kevin gave us an absolutely wonderful lament for that. That was awesome. But, anyways. Now, here's, here's something that I had a little bit of fun with. Skyrim, the special edition. Okay? It's coming out a little bit later this month. And the PC minimum and recommended specifications for the updated version of Skyrim uh, have been released. And uh, what to say about them? Well, they're nothing earth-shattering. You know, if you set up your gaming PC in the last eh, four or so years, you should be just fine. But it is worth noting that they do represent a pretty significant bump over the original system specs for Skyrim. So I'll give you an example. Whereas the original system specs for Skyrim stipulated a minimum of two gigabytes of RAM and recommended four, the special edition requires eight, which is also the recommended amount. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, what else? The original recommended a GTX 260 or similar video card. The new one recommends a GTX 780 or similar. So clearly there's been a significant bump in the graphics and the textures. They seem to require a significant amount of additional resources over and above what the original game needed. But at the same time, a GTX 780, that's, you know, certainly a couple generations behind uh, where we're at now. More than a couple generations, good gravy. But yeah, it's... um, I'm hoping that it looks gorgeous. I'm looking forward to trying it out when it comes out. Um, But there we go. One other thing I tripped over. This was on Steam. Um, Cute new little roguelike game. Very JRPG-ish in its art style, as many of the new roguelikes coming out are. Um, It's currently on Steam Greenlight. It's called Pixel Princess Blitz. Um, And actually, it may have already been greenlit by the time we record this episode. Given my eldest daughter's enjoyment of Prodigy, the math MMO, I'm thinking this game might be right up her alley, so I'm contemplating whether I can get it for her. Um, see what my wife thinks, I suppose. And, uh, I don't know, have you been following development on Wasteland 3, Golem? I have not, unfortunately. Why I've been that kind unfortunate? of... <laughs> I've just been... Uh, life's, life's distracting. The only game I've been following... At any level of closeness was Shadow Warrior 2 and Dishonored 2. Ah, yes. Well, Wasteland 3. So, In Exile has... I mean, they've they've got a follow-up in development to their successful resurrection of the Wasteland franchise. They started crowdfunding it on FIG, uh, which is, of course, the crowdfunding service that they that In Exile themselves helped co-found. Um, they met their funding goal in just three days, so they've already moved on to the stretch goals. But... Um, it just, it, I get a little bit of sick amusement out of this because there's always a little bit of gnashing of teeth on like the RPG codex when stuff like this happens. It was the same when like Torment was announced that it was getting a console release. Um, so, you know, now you get Wasteland 3 will support co-op multiplayer. Um, so there's always a little bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth that attends that. And I always like to see that. But anyways. It is actually kind of interesting how they're doing multiplayer in Wasteland 3, because the idea is you can be joined by a friend and play through the game together, co-op mode. But if your friend drops out, you can't bring another person in as a ringer. Each of you will pursue the game in single-player mode from that point until Mm. you get back together. I I think you can resume playing with your buddy, um, but but yeah. If you drop out, then you just start playing single-player again, and that's it. That is very interesting. Yeah, it's it's a different way of approaching it, I suppose. 
Hmm. Uh, was there actually speaking? Uh, well, you know what? Hang on. We talked a little bit about Mass Effect, so the release date for Andromeda may have inadvertently been leaked by Dark Horse Comics. Um, because I guess, well, here's the quote from the article. The popular comic book and manga publisher is releasing a Mass Effect Andromeda art book on March 21st, 2017, or March 23rd in Europe. And the pre-order page for the collector's edition, or collector's item, sorry, uh, claims that Dark Horse will release the art of Mass Effect Andromeda simultaneously with the game. So make that what you will, but um, March 21st seems to be the day. Uh, oh, and speaking of tyranny, actually, or sorry, no, not tyranny. I was talking about Tormentor, <coughs> never mind. Speaking of In Exile and Fig, um, it was also co-founded, I believe, by Obsidian Entertainment. And so Obsidian, of course, they're developing. That was the worst segue ever. Uh, anyways, Obsidian have been working on Tyranny. So that's another uh, RPG in that Infinity Engine style. Now, in Tyranny, the idea is that, like, whereas in a lot of other RPGs, you're the hero and your job is to defeat the evil overlord. No, 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 no. In Tyranny, the assumption is the evil overlord won and you are one of his minions. And you have to, you know, sort of help administer this successfully subjugated fantasy realm. Anyways, that particular game is going to be releasing on November 10th. And yes, it's now available from pre-order or from GOG. You can pre-order it rather. Um, and you can also pre-order it on Steam. But pre-order it on GOG because, you know, then you can support Spam 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 Humbug. Also, speaking just briefly of Steam, apparently there are now 10,000 games on Steam. That And that's across Windows, Linux, Mac, and uh, VR platforms. Uh, about 600 of those are VR experiences. I only own 440 of them. Well, I'm going to have to uh, win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, get on that, man. Like, geez, come on. And we just got a post in uh, the Ultima Dragons Discord from Cran. We oh. finally reached... Our goal on the Kickstarter. Oh my gosh. Well, that's perfect. I mean, I'm still going to put her little blurb right at the front of this episode, but that's awesome. Way so, to go, Ultima Dragons. Major thanks out there. Um, I did just post this week the uh, challenge coin uh, concept art that I need to make two little tweaks to, and then I'll email that off to Cran to start processing um she's got another thing that i already sent to her and then i just have to tweak some more a couple other graphics and then she can start printing things up so perfect that's some nice progress i would think (laughs) we hit all the money and we have that yeah that's beautiful that's great work man oh man i still don't know if i can go to that but whatever i chipped in i'll be at a wedding but Looking here, we got $15,049 out of the 14950 that we needed, and we still have six days to go. Like We could get another grand probably at least, I would think, mm-hmm. which that would definitely increase uh, covering possibly more interesting activities. Sweet dealio. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Will there be stretch goals now that we've... Uh... <laughs> Will we get a duck for Dupre? Ooh, yes. <laughs> Maybe no. just a whole bunch of rubber duckies, you know? 
$16,000. Everyone goes home with their own. Oh, we, we, I did something like that in college. We bought a whole mess of plastic versions of the rubber ducks, and we put them all in the pond at college. On ah, I've you know, seen the ducks of this nature. The, the ducks were all in the school colors, and they floated around. It was great. That's That's lovely. One of those little harmless ones that doesn't harm anyone or anything, but anyone driving by was like, aww. <laughs> Duckies. Nice. Very nice. I like that. That's good. That's really good. Ah, uh, well, congratulations, Ultimate Dragons. That's that's awesome. So uh, happy news on a Friday night. Just what we it need. is. Yeah, that's a good way to end a Friday night. Well, I still have to install a bunch of IRC clients and then sweep the floor <laughs> upstairs. But other than that, it's a good way to end it. Anyways, okay. Uh, another good thing in the news that I completely forgot, and Lum shared it, but Polygon has a really nice article on um, some of the changes and stuff that uh, Zenimax has done with the one Tamriel patch for ESO. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd heard about that, but... Uh... So I posted the link here in Discord if you just want to add that to the show notes. Yeah, I will, because, I mean... It's it's kind of funny how, I mean, I'm not sure I quite agree with Polygon's entire presentation. Maybe I will after I read the article because, don't get me wrong, one Tamriel was the best move I think they could have made for the game. Um, but at the same time, I think the game was already trending upwards quite strongly well before one Tamriel became a thing. So... You know, saying saving the Elder Scrolls, yeah, but no, it's, I it's do a click, think it was it's a, a click, good, it's a clickbait title, basically. Yeah. But I do think that you know it is an excellent addition to the game. I like the idea of it. Now, at the same time, I do have to admit that I wasn't particularly peeved about the fact that before one Tamriel, I as an Alliance player couldn't experience some other aspects of the storyline, and I as a non-Alliance player couldn't experience. Alliance aspects of the storyline in much the same way that I'm not particularly ticked off that my Jedi consular can't pursue any of the Sith storylines in the old Republic. Well, yeah, that was one of the, the whole reasons why you had to make certain choices. It's the same thing with world of Warcraft. You had to make a choice and yeah, there's some quests even still with the Legion deal um, expansion pack where you can do certain quests, but the lore changes just a little bit. You know, the conversation's just a little bit different, like one or two different lines. Sometimes it's just the bare minimum where you get just a different perspective. And it's really cool. Like, yep. They focused on, you know, such minor little details, but it's enough where it's like, ooh, hmm. Well, anyways, I do think it's a neat addition to the game, but eh, I'd have kept playing it without it anyways. So there you go. Yep. Uh, oh, what? I said pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as we mentioned, if you want to support Spam Spam Sam Humbug, really easy way to do that is just buy our games at GOG, but stop by our show notes first and click on any of the GOG links or go to ultimacodex.com or podcast.ultimacodex.com and click on the GOG banners in the sidebars there. Um, you don't pay a cent more for the games that you buy, but we get a bit of commission off of it and it's good. But you can also support us on Patreon. 
if uh, if a monthly subscription is more your style. Moral support is welcome too. You can like Ultima on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Ultima series, or you can follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter. Another good thing to follow on Twitter is at Ultima Dragons, the Ultima Dragons Twitter account. You can also find, well, I mean, if you want to get your own dragon name, go to udic.org. You can register your dragon name there. There's an Ultima Dragons group on Facebook. There's an analogous group on Google+. It's a bit smaller, a little bit less bumping, but whatever, it's all good. There's a woefully underused Slack group. There's a much more active Discord channel. And there's the Wearmount, which is a unique thing in and of itself. Let's just put it that way. You should go check it out. Um, if you want to leave any feedback for us, you can, of course, send us an email. You can leave us a voice message, which is what Cran did, actually, to give us that lovely little intro. Um, she just went to our website and clicked on the leave a message link and uh, was able to just record that all from her browser. You can also join us on Discord. We've got our own Discord channel. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, anything else? You know what? I am on Anchor. I will probably continue sending out questions periodically on Anchor. Um, so just look to at Ultima Codex for any references to, to Anchor. And by all means, consider joining in because, hey, you know what? If we can find a way to have some conversations on that medium, that's stuff that I can work into the episodes too, um, as you heard today. Golem, where can I find you online if I was looking for you online? Uh, best place would be my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thegolemdragon. There all the other go. links to stuff that I use on a regular basis are all found in the channel header links. Other ones are hidden until I get back to actually using them again. There you go. As for me, um, let me think. Where can you find me? Well, you can find me on Twitter at WTF underscore dragon. I am on Facebook. I've also got an about.me landing page. Um, link will be in the show notes you can go there to find my other social media profiles and of course ultimacodex.com thank you all for listening this is kind of a probably a little bit shorter episode and of course we didn't have one last week so i'm just kind of playing catch up this week but thank you all for listening and until next time be virtuous be virtuous